0: Well, I want to welcome you to church today. Uh, So glad that you're here in Mesa and our Ahwatukee campus. This place is on fire today, and I can tell that God's moving here. So we're just going to keep it going. Is that all right? Is it okay if we preach the word of God up in here? If that's all right, say amen. If you're ready to hear a good word, say "Preach preach it. All right, good. You're alive. I'm ready. And I can sense that you're ready. Well, we've been in this series called Live Like a King And we've been studying the life of David, who would become one of the greatest kings in the history of Israel. Last week, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and listen to this message just to catch up to speed and get the whole plot. Uh, David was chosen to be the next king of Israel. And the message for us, the takeaway, is that even when you're out in the fields and it feels like other people have forgotten you, God has not forgotten you. He sees you and he sees the value in you, even when other people don't. Do you believe that? So we're gonna keep this going forward. We're gonna hear about the next phase of the plot twists and turns uh, as we go into 1 Samuel chapter 16, starting in verse 14, and you're gonna see what's next for David. It says, Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, the previous king, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit comes from God on you, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is fine looking and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, allow David to remain in my service for I am pleased with him. Whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. I wanna talk to you this morning on this subject. Prepare like a king. There's a season of preparation that God will allow us to go through to prepare us for what is before us. And in this passage, we're going to see some values and some principles that apply to our lives and teach us how to prepare like a king. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We open our hearts to receive it. Speak truth to us and help us to become more like your son, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Does anybody here hate to wait besides me? All right. I hate to wait, I'm working on this, it's a problem a little bit, but patience is not my strong suit. I think I might have inherited this trait genetically from my father, so it might not be fully my fault. But growing up in the Visconti household, when we would go out to a restaurant, I still remember, you know, if you hear those dreaded words, there will be a short wait. Uh, It can cause an emotional reaction in you, (laughs) you know, and when you're hangry, 25 minutes feels like 25 years, right? So I remember my dad, he would say, come on, let's get in the car. We got to go. It's too long. I remember thinking, but dad, by the time we get somewhere else to eat, we would have gotten sat down in that restaurant. So what are we doing? But I understand. I hate to wait. I want things to be fast. I don't just want fast internet. I want super fast fiber internet, you know? Like one gigabit per second. I don't want next day shipping. I want same day shipping. I'm tired of next day shipping, you guys. Like how spoiled are we? I want a drone to drop the package in my lap 15 minutes after I order it, amen? I believe it's possible he can move the mountains. I hate to wait. I hate it, and I I think sometimes God lets us wait to prepare us for what's coming. It's good sometimes that we have to wait, isn't it? It's good that when a mother is pregnant, that baby doesn't just pop out nine days later. You need a little time to prepare, like prepare a nursery. Dad's got to prepare for the fact that he is now not the most important person in the house in his mind, right? Like everyone has to wrap their minds around this. It's a good thing that when a president is elected, there's a season of transition for the government so they can prepare for the changes. It's a good thing that when a pastor graduates Bible college, he's not just put in charge of a whole church right away. He needs time to prepare. The preparation is so important. And I believe that God has great, Great things in store for you. He has called you and chosen you for a general and specific purpose. Generally, we're all called as believers to build the kingdom of God and preach the good news. But specifically, we're all in the process of discovering God's special purpose for our life. And if you want to be successful, if you want to make an impact, if you want to be used by God to your fullest potential, you have to learn the power of preparation, So I'm gonna give you five keys today, five principles that will help you to prepare like a king. If you're a type A note taker, you're gonna love this message, it's for you, okay? And I'm about to go on an alliteration rampage, so I'm not apologizing. Number one, prepare with patience. Patience is important. David was anointed to be the next king, and then instead of going straight to the palace, he went back out to the fields to take care of sheep. Saul didn't just lose his throne right away, even though he had lost the anointing of God. So now David is out in the fields taking care of sheep. And if I were him, I would have been mad, right? Like I would have been, I got anointed to be king, you all. I don't take care of sheep anymore. Someone else can do that job, future king right here. He was sent out to take care of sheep. And how bored would he have been? I'm sure he was so bored. I'm sure there were a lot of thoughts racing through his mind like, I just can't wait to be king. And he was probably thinking, man, I'm gonna do great things when I'm king. I can help people. I could change things for the better. But yet, all he really had to do in the moment was look at sheep. And sheep are dumb. So all you could do, smell sheep, feed sheep, protect sheep, sing to sheep, count sheep. I mean, whatever it is. And yet, I believe that God used that season in the fields to prepare him the palace. In 1 Peter 5, 6 it says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. It was humbling to go back to those fields, right? And oftentimes we go through seasons that are humbling, where we're waiting for God to come through for us. We've got a dream, and it's a great dream, but no one else is really excited about your dream yet. So you're just waiting for other people to, to get on board with you, and it's humbling. Maybe you're in a season where you felt stuck, but you need to trust God's timing that at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. You gotta be patient. You gotta be patient. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Like, I don't know about your spiritual orchard, but mine does not specialize in the fruit of patience. I got some in the back, I think, but it's not my specialty. You know, but patience is so important. I think of the fruit of the spirit and patience. I I think patience is like a kale salad, you know? Supposedly it's good for you, but it's not really fun to eat it. My, My wife has been giving me kale salads, and I've learned Anything tastes good with enough dressing on it. Amen. You hear what I'm saying? Sometimes you have to season your season of waiting with faith that God is working. David did not try to speed up the process on God. He was patient. And listen, oftentimes when you rush ahead of God's timing, you find that you've gotten yourself to a place you did not want to go. So being patient is so important, learning the the importance of just trusting God, trusting his timing, trusting that his timing is the perfect timing. How many of you already learned that lesson? That when you try to rush God's timing, you find yourself dating some person you never wanted to date. You find yourself in some job you did not want, right? God's timing is perfect, but we shouldn't rush it because he will open the door at the right time. That's what he did for David. He sent an evil spirit, the Bible says, to torment Saul. So maybe you're asking, what do you mean? An evil spirit? God sent an evil spirit? What is that? And theologians have wondered kind of for all time, really, what does that mean exactly? Does that mean a demon? Uh, But most theologians and commentaries say they believe that God sent an angel from heaven of judgment to torment Saul because he had left the path of righteousness and started to disobey God and do his own thing based on what his emotions just led him to do. So he faced the consequences for that, like we all face consequences when we make choices in free will. Saul was tormented by God, and this evil spirit that was bothering him kicked off a series of events that would open the door for David to leave the fields and move to the palace. Prepare with patience. Here's the second thing. Prepare with practice, with practice. Any NBA fans here? Anybody like basketball? Uh, Who remembers, yeah, I don't either. Who remembers in May 8th, 2002, one of the greatest sports press conferences of all time when Allen Iverson was asked about his practice habits? And he said, practice? I don't wanna talk about practice. We're not gonna talk about the game, practice? And that's how I feel about practice. Nobody really wants to practice. We want the moment of glory. We want the game-winning shot, but practice is not exactly fun, but it's important. And we know that because in this passage we see some important details that King Saul said to his servant, find me someone who plays well. In other words, find me someone who's good, who's excellent. And and it's important to be excellent as we serve the Lord. And as much as it's up to us, don't you wanna be excellent in everything that you can be? Like when people try out an audition for our, our worship team, anyone can be on the team. You just have to be excellent, you know what I mean? Like for all of our sakes. We don't want like Susie's nephew up here who can't sing just because we love him, right? Like, and, and that's the same with King Saul. He wanted someone who played well. And so I think it's not a coincidence that God let David wait out in those fields with nothing better to do than play his little guitar banjo thingy, right? And in that process, he developed Excellence and skill. God will give you gifts, but it's up to you to develop the skill to use those gifts to your fullest potential. Malcolm Gladwell recently popularized the idea that it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert at anything. And that might not necessarily be totally true. Some people are just prodigies, but I started thinking about it and I was like, well, I want to be a good preacher. So when am I going to get to 10,000 hours, right? Because bad preaching just makes Jesus sad, I think. the good news is too good to come through bad preaching. Uh, so I started thinking about it and I was like, okay, I spend about like 15, 20 hours a week working on this. So in four, you, got, you guys, in four and a half years, I'm going to get to that level of 10,000 hours. So if you already like this church, just hang out for a little while. I'm going to get good at this eventually, all right? like. But I practice and, and we want to practice in order to get Skill. And so Proverbs twenty two twenty nine 29 shows us this principle. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. Do you realize that it actually takes practice to be a Christian who experiences the full life that's available in Jesus Christ? You can be saved in a moment with no practice. All you need is faith, and we receive salvation by grace. It's a gift, so so we don't deserve it, but then after we do become believers, it takes practice to kind of get this thing down, doesn't it? And we make mistakes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We need God's grace, because we fall and we sin, and fortunately, he's faithful, and he's loving, and he forgives our sins, but he's patient with us as we practice being like Jesus. And this is a biblical principle in Philippians 4, 9. Paul says this, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. In other words, watch what I do, what you heard me teaching, practice that. You, you won't be perfect and, and you'll fall at times. But but over time, you'll start to get this thing under control. You'll get better at this thing. He's saying God's going to build you. He's going to shape you. You're just clay in his hands. So the more you give him time and the more you practice, the more he's going to shape you to be the version of you he made you to be. So trust him and just practice, practice speaking life to people, practice forgiving people who don't deserve it. Practice being generous, even when you're afraid to be generous. If you'll practice worshiping God, it'll start to feel more natural. But it takes practice. We all want to celebrate those game winning touchdown throws, but we don't want to watch that guy practice for 40 hours a week. Right. The touchdown throw is glorious. Practice is tedious. But listen, if you want those moments of glory, you'll have to be willing to put in the years of practice. But I believe it's worth it. It's worth it to be prepared for your calling. The more you practice, the higher you can go. Number three, prepare your public image. And this might kind of catch you off guard at first because you're always telling me, Pastor Ryan, don't worry about what people think about me. Okay, well, I'm allowed to contradict myself. You should worry somewhat what people think about you. And some people worry too much what people think, and it can paralyze them. But other people, that they should worry a little bit more. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't always control what other people say and think about you, but you can control. You can work to build a good reputation. And having a good reputation is not shallow. That's not a shallow thing to want that. It's a biblical thing to want that. Remember what happened with David and Saul? King Saul said, find a guy who plays well. And then who spoke up? It was a servant, a servant spoke up. Oh, I know a guy. He knew a guy. Like you have a guy, he knew a guy who had a good reputation, he plays well and he speaks well, he's good looking and the Lord is with him. This servant spoke up and opened that door for David to get to the palace. And as I read that this week, it made me think about something, side note, you should probably be kind to everyone. Don't just be kind and respectful to the people in high places. Because oftentimes it's the person we're not paying attention to who helps us get to the place that we wanna go. And God, God highlighted this for me in a funny way. Uh, last week, I went to a conference um, right after church on Sunday, and there, there were these speakers there, these pastors who I really look up to, these guys who've just done great things, and I admire them, and, and I want to be like them in a lot of ways. Uh, and so I'm there with like thousands of other people, and we're just you know taking it all in. And one, at one point, I walk in, uh, and this guy, one of the conference workers, he just pulled me aside, and he was like, Ryan, do you want to go back? and hang out with the speakers with the pastors. I was like, "Yes. Yes, I do." And so he just takes me back there and he just ushers me back here uh, uh, back to this back room where the these pastors are at and I just walk in and they're looking at me like, "What is he doing here?" And I'm like, I don't know, he brought me here. We're like, hi, right? I was the least qualified, youngest fool in this room, but I was happy to be there. And it was just a dude who got me into that room. It wasn't the great guys who I was looking up to. It was, it was this worker, this average guy who, who knew me and we had a relationship. And, and for some reason, God chose to, to favor me in that moment and, and get me to a place that I could not have gotten to on my own. God's favor, having a good reputation, it will open doors for you. We also see this play out in the New Testament church. Uh, in 1 Timothy 3.7, Paul lays out qualifications for elders, and the Bible uses this word elders at times. It's the Greek word presbyteros. It also will be translated as overseers or pastors um, or bishops, th- different, different titles. But there's actually qualifications to be an elder, and here's one of them. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace. So people need to think well of you, even, even people who aren't church people. Sometimes I ask my wife if I have any blind spots in my life, you know, things that I could try to work on. And that's a smart thing to do, I've learned. To like, Ask your wife, because she knows, she knows some stuff. And she told me, man, it stung a little bit. She told me like, hey, you know, sometimes you're nice to people at church and then you get impatient with people out in the world. I was like, she's so right, right? Like, I'll be standing in line at Fry's, right, checking out, and just, like, what is this guy doing? Uh," Like, it's like, you know, and I'm thinking, like, of course I can't, like, cuss the guy out, right, because I'm a pastor. But I'm not necessarily being patient and kind. But I want to. I want to have a good reputation. I don't want people coming to my church and being like, oh, that's the guy who yelled at me, Right? It's important, and David had a good reputation. They spoke about him. They said, militarily, he's brave and a courageous warrior. And I want to ask you, you might not be a warrior, but are you brave? Do you have the courage to do what's right, even when it's not easy? They said socially about him. He speaks well. And that's important. Communication is so important to build a strong marriage. Amen, ladies, to be successful in the workplace, to raise kids that know and love Jesus. You've got to be able to communicate. Don't be the strong, silent type. Be the strong communicating type. Yeah, some 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 wife came to church just for that today. She was like, that's what we need. <laughs> Let's just call this thing off now. They, they said this about David, that physically he was fine looking. He's fine. Right. Now, we can't do a lot about our genetics and the symmetry of our faces, but we can try to eat healthy and exercise. And we can all do this. We can all present ourselves in a respectable way. It doesn't mean you got to wear Gucci or Armani or dress expensive, but but just, you know, presenting ourselves. And we're casual. This is Arizona. You can wear flip flops to church. But like but there's a difference between being casual and sloppy, isn't there? And I've, I've interviewed people for jobs where they're just like sloppy. And I'm thinking, if you're sloppy in an interview, what are you going to do when we hire you and you're trying to do good work? Like, we don't think that you're going to rise up to our standard of excellence. Like, it, it causes me to question some things. And I want you to understand this. If you're a part of this church, we have a clothing closet, we call it, at our Awatsuki campus. So if you don't have nice clothes that are, that are clean and, and without holes or unworn, like, we have these practically brand new clothes that we'll just give you for free for a job interview. You do not need to walk around with holes and stains on your shirt. We want to clothe you the way that God sees you, and we'll do it for free. So just let us know. And they said about him, spiritually, God is with him. Spiritually, the Lord is with him. And that is probably the greatest compliment that we could get, isn't it? That people would look at you and say, that's a man, that's a woman after God's own heart. And I'll tell you what is better than hard work I'll tell you what's better than good luck the favor of God on your life. God's favor will take you so far and open doors, right? And people will be, uh, they won't be able to, to not notice it on your life. They'll say, oh man, God is with her, right? right? Like the Lord is with him. That person just has a, a, a thing about them and it'll be the favor of God. So, so prepare yourself and think about your reputation. It's not th- something to obsess over, but we, we can spend a whole lifetime building our reputation and yet we can ruin it in just a few minutes, can't we? So we've got to protect it. We can, and then once you ruin it, it's very hard to repair. It takes a long time. So think about your reputation. Here's number four. Prepare with proximity, proximity. David started out in the fields as a shepherd, but then through a sequence of events, he was able to rise up, to the palace. And although while he was out in the fields, he learned some valuable lessons taking care of sheep, he also needed to spend some time in proximity to the rulers of the nation in order to learn how to think like a king. And so when he went to the palace, he got to be in proximity to King Saul. The king liked him. The king said, you can be my armor bearer and my living Spotify, right? You're gonna play music for me over in the corner whenever I need it. And it probably wasn't a glorious job. There weren't a lot of accolades. He wasn't signing autographs, but he was listening. He got to listen. How does the king think? How does the king strategize? How does the king and the ruling officials respond to crisis? I'm picking some things up. I'm learning some things I could not learn taking care of sheep, right? Be in proximity to people who have the skills that you need. Put yourself in proximity to leaders who you can emulate. Put yourself in proximity to men and women of God who you can follow as they follow Christ. In Proverbs 13, 20, it says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Who are you hanging out with? Like, who do you spend most of your time with? Let me just be frank. Are your friends fools? Bible says in James, iron sharpens iron. And I, I think morons will make morons out of you. So I, I honestly, sometimes I look at like people in our church's social media and who they're hanging out with. And as a pastor, I worry about them. Because I'm thinking to myself, if you turn out like the people you hang out with, are you gonna become more or less like Jesus? And listen, church, if you spend more time away from God's people than with God's people, eventually you're going to look more like the world than the called. We need to be with God's people. We need to prioritize our gatherings together here at church, not just so we can check the box and say, I'm a good Christian, I went to church, but because we need to be with each other. We need each other's encouragement and support. When I'm downcast, I need to be able to look at you and see you worshiping God and be reminded of his faithfulness through your faithfulness. You need to prioritize your life group. Spend time with some people who who have figured some things out and who can give you good advice and who can be there for you when you're going through a difficult time. Put yourself in proximity to the people who you want to be like. One way that you can get yourself into proximity with great people is by being willing to serve. Being willing to serve. Here's what it said in verse 21 of chapter 16, 1 Samuel. David came to Saul and entered his service. He became a servant, essentially. He didn't become the the king intern or the junior king. He didn't get a salary. He was just told like, hey, yo, sit over there in the corner and play music and we'll feed you. He was willing to serve and he served faithfully. And this kind of highlights an important principle for us. In the kingdom of God, in order to rise up, you have to be willing to lower yourself down and serve. In God's kingdom, the way up is by going down to serve. Serving others faithfully the way that you would wanna be served. Jesus said, if you wanna be great, you must be a servant. So putting yourself in proximity to great people and then by being willing to serve them, when you serve the authority, the leaders in your life, this is a, a biblical truth that will play out again and again. God will honor you. Notice that David did not undermine Saul. Saul. This wasn't Game of Thrones. He wasn't going around handing out his business card. Yo, hit me up, david, at futureking.com. We can talk about some things. I got some things in the work. I'll hook you up. You support me, I'll hook you up. Uh, The king's not doing a very good job, is he? (laughs) No, he supported the king. He served the king faithfully. And one of the biblical truths we see again and again in scripture is that people who dishonor authority and rebel against authority, in the Bible, they usually end up executed. In real life, it never goes well for you either. God just has this, this principle and this truth. He says, when you honor authority, you're actually honoring him. Even if it doesn't feel like they deserve it, you're honoring God. And when you do that, God will lift you up. And we see that truth. And that's what also happened for David. God lifted him up. He was willing to serve. So take that, put that into practice in your own life. And here's the fifth thing. As we prepare for our future, prepare with Holy Spirit power. You need the power Of the Holy Spirit. He will enable you to do what you could not do on your own. David was able to play the harp, this lyre guitar thing, in such a way that it would alleviate the torment that Saul was suffering from. Remember, Saul was suffering from a supernatural cause, it was an evil spirit. And so, yet David's playing was able to, to help him with that suffering. Why is that? Think about this. Is it because he was just really good at the harp? He was probably pretty good, but that's not the reason why. It's because he was playing that music under the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have this highlighted for us. We talked about this verse last week, 1 Samuel 16, verse 13, when he was anointed by the prophet. It says, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. So God's spirit was with him and God's spirit is dwelling inside of you and you need the fullness of God's spirit. That's why Jesus told his disciples, wait, before you go out and start building my church, wait. And then I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, pour him out upon you and you'll be my witnesses then here and throughout the world. And we all need that. We need the outpouring of God's spirit on our life. Did you know you can get more of God's spirit? He wants to give you more. And you can continuously, in your walk with God, ask him to fill you up and refill you up. God always responds to our longing for more of him. You need this, church, because you can get more done under the power of the Holy Spirit than you could do in a thousand lifetimes of hard work. He will enable you for your purpose, so prepare with his power. The Holy Spirit oftentimes gets forsaken and neglected by Christians, and often it's because you've seen something weird or you heard something weird. And so we can treat the Holy Spirit at times like the crazy uncle of our church family. You know, like he's in the family, so we have to say we love him. We don't really want to hang out with him because he kind of freaks us out. And if you do that, you misunderstand who he is, that he's come to be a helper to you, a comfort to you, your counselor and advisor. He strengthens you when you can't keep going on your own. So if you've had bad thoughts in your mind towards the Holy Spirit, just tell him, oh man, I'm sorry for that. I've thought incorrectly about you. I wanna welcome you into my life. Allow him to start to work in your heart. In reality, he really wants to help you and he makes all the difference in the world. If you've been just struggling to get past one sin in your life and you feel like, man, all the self-help books I read, all the support groups I go to, nothing's quite doing it for me. I'll tell you who can do it for you. The Holy Spirit of God can set you free in a moment. He makes all the difference. He makes all the difference in you. He is the difference between you being just another nice Christian churchgoer or an on-fire spirit-powered world changer. It's the Holy Spirit of God. And I believe that that's one of the reasons that God has blessed our church body and allowed us to multiply so quickly is because I and all of our other pastors and leaders have already come to the conclusion and realized I cannot do this on my own. I'm not strong enough to make it through these challenges. I'm not wise enough to know which way to go at every turn. I'm not good enough to resist temptation year in and year out. I need someone who can help me with this. I need a power that is greater than me to fill me up. I can't preach good enough to change your life, but the Holy Spirit can change your life. The goodness of God's Spirit can help me resist temptation. The Holy Spirit can give us wisdom when we don't know what to do. And so that is why God is moving in our midst and changing people's lives. And he wants to transform you. One of the ways that you can experience the fullness of God's power is you have to learn the power of worship What is worship? Well, you could define it as any act that glorifies God, but there is a special type of worship that we see in scripture again and again. It's the singing of worship, of praise to God, singing music, making melodies, singing joyfully to the Lord. And you might wonder, like, well, why is that so important? I don't even know totally, but I do know that God created and designed our universe in such a way that music would have spiritual impact. I want you to to think about the fact that it was a spirit that tormented Saul and the remedy for that was music. It was spirit-powered worship, I believe. I believe that David was playing some of the psalms for Saul that he wrote when he was out as a shepherd boy in the field taking care of the sheep. And, And you might go through hard times in your life where you're really just struggling and you need to understand, man, one of the best things you can do for your spirit is worship God. And when you come into church and you, you kind of hold back and you say, I don't really feel like it. I'm just not that expressive. I'm, that's not really the kind of person I am. And Maybe you grew up in a, a religious background that was not expressive in worship, that kind of was reserved. And, and I want to encourage you to, to open yourself up and allow God to do something new in your heart through worship. I can tell you at some of the most broken moments of my life, What I was able to do, the only thing I could really do that would help was put on worship music and listen to it and soak in the truth that was being sung over me. And I believe there are spiritual, supernatural implications when we worship God. I want to encourage you to be a part of this church and learn how to worship. Learn how, right? You can be one of those weird people who raises their hands, right? You might be like, Why are people raising my hand their hands? Do they have a question or what's going on, right? But it's just natural human instinct when you're victorious to say, we win. It's, it's natural when you surrender to say, I give up. Like, I need your help, God, right? It's natural to long for it and, and re- reach up to God and say, I need you. It's natural to pump my fist in victory. And I wanna just get you to, to think differently about this, that, that, man, I'm raising my hands up to God like a lightning rod. Hit me with your power, Lord. I need it. I'm open to it. I'm gonna sing out at the top of my lungs, even if it doesn't sound good to my neighbor. I don't care because I'm getting a Holy Ghost makeover inside. Let this be a place where you come and learn how to worship and then take that from here into your home, into your car. And when you go through a difficult moment or situation or when you're ready for God to start to work in your life and speak to you and give you guidance, man, kick on the worship and just start to sing out to God. Just sing out that you love him and that you trust him and you can sing some of the songs you've learned in church and God will work through that. God will work through that. We need God's power in our life. Worship ushers us into the presence of God where we experience his transforming power. And I can show you another example in Scripture where this is true. 2 Kings 3.15. This is the prophet Elisha. He says, now bring me someone who can play the harp. While the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. This is one of the most powerful prophets of God in the history of the Old Testament, and yet he was about to work on behalf of God, and he was calling the worship team like, yo, I need some people to come out here and start playing some music because I'm ready for God's power to drop on me, right? He knew I need, I need to worship, right, before I get ready to, to move and work on behalf of God. So, so worship, and worship is the thing that will get you feeling better. Like it, it worked for King Saul, right, and he wasn't even in a good place with God, It'll work for you, even if you're not in a good place of God. You can just start to sing out and your feelings will follow your proclamation. I wanna take this moment and I'm just gonna invite you to stand as we close out this message. Uh, We've been talking about God's power and we all need God's power in our life, but the most important experience with his power that we'll ever have is his saving power, the transforming power to raise us spiritually from the grave, to forgive our sins and give us eternal life. So maybe you're here right now and you feel far from God, Maybe you've never given your life to God or submitted your heart to Jesus and invited him into your life. Maybe you did that once a long time ago, but you've been running from God. I want you to know that he has you here for a purpose. And if you feel him drawing you in, that is the Holy Spirit who draws you to Jesus and says, Just give me your life and trust me. I want to love you and favor you. I want to show you the way to go and bless you. Just give him a shot. So I want to give you a chance. If this is your moment, if this is your day to be saved and forgiven and know I'm going to be a part of God's family, I'm going to be made royalty through Christ. Let's bow our heads just between you and God. If you're like, that's me, I want that. Then pray this prayer with me. Just say, God, I know that I've sinned and that I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. And I believe that he also rose again so I could be victorious over death. Lord, thank you for loving me. I know I don't deserve it, but I receive it. Help me to serve you from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, if you just pray that prayer, the Bible says you're forgiven and you're saved. We gotta celebrate that, right? If you just pray that prayer, just shoot your hand up real quick so we can celebrate with you right now. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, thank you. Awesome. Anybody else, that's me? We celebrate that. We're gonna get ready to worship, is that okay? Awesome. Listen. So often we go through difficult seasons, and then we, we look back on them later, and we realize God was actually using that season to prepare me. That time when I was waiting, that time when I was hurting, God has used that to help me be ready for what's before me. And when you realize that, it gives you understanding. But I thought to myself, when you can recognize that season while you're still in the middle of it, that gives you peace that passes understanding. That is next level awareness right there. So you might even still be in the middle of that moment. You need to be filled with joy. The harder your situation is, I think you can celebrate all the more because God must be preparing you for something great. And I believe that when we have that awareness and peace, we can make it through what we couldn't make it through on our own. We can say confidently, I might bend, but I'm not going to break. I might feel stretched right now, but I'm not going to be stressed out. I know that God hasn't forgotten me. He's been forging me. I know that he's crafting my character. He's refining my faith. He's building me up for a higher purpose. And so I'm going to give him praise in this situation. I'm going to worship his name in this moment, in this season, and know that God is good. Know that he loves me. Know that he has great plans for my life. If that's you, if you receive it, let's lift our voices and praise God right now. Come on.